Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Looking for some amazing TV to stream? Indulge yourself with the hits on Hulu you can't miss. Dive in with Barney, Ted, Robin, and the gang on How I Met Your Mother. All nine seasons are now streaming on Hulu. Then you can move to Modern Family, Schitt's Creek, and My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits, streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. Now we're talking. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here, letting you know Hail Yourself America is available for sale. Go to HailYourselfAmerica.com. You can download the documentary. I hope you enjoy it. And always remember, hail yourselves. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started. Today. I don't know what it is about these Borgnine panties I'm wearing today. Borgnine? Oh my god, it's the wide flap models? Mm-hmm. Because the idea is, is that... Wait, what are you doing? You're wearing Ernest Borgnine panties? Have you seen the line? The Ernest Borgnine uh, classy underwear I line that he's I, doing? No. It's for it's for the lady with big underparts. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it is so... It's scratchy, honestly. Number one, it's scratchy. And the thong part is just giving me a fucking episode today. Wow. <laughs> All right. Well, I, that's information I didn't know. I didn't know look, you had a Richard Speck side to you. You could see the line. You can't Look, you can't see the panty line. It's like in, in Christmas vacation. We have to reference it at least once a month. <laughs> hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? This is The Last Podcast on the left. I am Ben, hanging out with Marcus. Hi. And then he's he flew all the way here from California. Henry Zabrowski, he's in studio here in New York City. Yep. And man, oh man, oh man, I'm chafed. I am legit. I am legit chafed. Well, we had a great opportunity. We want to thank everyone uh, who allowed us to go to Heidi Klum's Halloween party. But that's why nice. Henry is here. Oh yes, and so I, I thank them because now we get to spend more time together. That is nice, isn't that nice? All I know is is that my time spent as a stress tester of the Ernest Borgnine panty line is coming to a close. <laughs> really? <laughs> because I did it just to get into the mindset of today's murderer Mm -hmm. this guy he loved silk almost more than he loved drinking human blood this story (laughs) in a way that envies me i wish i loved the fabric more is this is it safe (laughs) to say he's like btk meets richard chase is that safe well anyway well it's not unfair okay it's not unfair so who the heck are these boys talking about you might be wondering we're talking about a dude haddon clark and uh this story this is one of the weirder ones. It's a weird one, yeah. Haddon Clark, a.k.a. the cross-dressing cannibal, was an American serial killer who provably killed two people in Maryland in the mid-80s and early 90s, while his possible murder count could be as high as 13 committed in six different northeastern states. Clark's nickname was the cross-dressing cannibal because at least one of his murders was committed while Haddon was wearing ladies' clothing. A wig, flats, whole shebang. 
while the other proven murder saw him guzzle the blood of one of his victims. The way Marcus and I tried to describe him to each other was that he is he is like a supervillain that would be manipulated by a more powerful supervillain. <laughs> he is a dangerous person, but this is a person that most likely would be beaten half to death by Batman on his way to the Joker. Okay, interesting. It also sort of reminds me, he's kind of like the Dustin Hoffman from the film Tootsie. I bet. You know, that's, that's the, I, I forgot that scene in Tootsie where Dustin Hoffman drank all the blood. Uh-huh. But <laughs> they cut it. Yeah. It's in the Dutch version. Though. I, well, I actually watched that movie growing up with my, uh, with my family. And my dad, at the end of the film, he, he did laugh. Mm-hmm. But at the end, he gave us a 15-minute uh, conversation. We had a 15-minute conversation about how it's wrong to cross-dress. Uh, yeah, but then that didn't work out for him. <laughs> but this is legitimately the, the, every true crime documentary I watched about him. Because also, one of my favorite things about Haddon Clark is that he has a Born to Kill episode. Yeah. And I haven't been able to see one of those in a while. And But every single one of them being like, not only he murders several people, but he always wore women's panties. They could not get over the fact that he liked women's underwear and dressing like a lady. And that's the least problematic thing about him. It's fine. That's fine. That's totally fine. You can do whatever you want. Literally in the 80s, it was on par with triple murder. Well, he does sort of look like, uh, you know, he looks like a Turkish version of Laura Dern, but that's not his fault. That's just just his genetics. And if he actually kind of worked on his outfits, he might have looked good. Mm -hmm. I agree. See, at the time of his arrest, Haddon Clark was a highly unstable local character who chose to live in a tent in the woods outside of Rockville, Maryland. Hmm. I choose to live in a tent. I love it. (laughs) I don't need your walls. Because you know what walls rhyme with is balls. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. Well, during the day, Haddon zipped around town on rollerblades doing odd jobs and calling himself the Rockville Rocket. Honestly, take a look at my calves. <laughs> I love it. See how chiseled they are. They how... are chiseled. Yeah, are you looking at them? I am. Oh, man, I bet I could stack a whole bunch of titties to your hide if I could just get a hold of enough evil women. <laughs> <laughs> See, Clark was a diagnosed paranoid schizophrenic, although the schizophrenia seems to be incidental to the serial killing. He did not kill out of some religious delusion like Joseph Callinger, nor did he kill to satisfy a pathological need like Richard Chase. Okay. As far as his two proven murders went, it seems like Haddon Clark killed for the age-old petty motive of vengeance. I will have my revenge! <laughs> really? But you know what? It's It seems to... Like, there are specific revenges, and there also seems to be, with Haddon Clark, a search for revenge against the world. Mm-hmm. And so, again, his mental illness has nothing to do—I mean, it it didn't help shit, no. right. but he's not murdering people because he's schizophrenic. No. Even just the idea of he—like, he was diagnosed schizophrenic, but I also think it was a way for them to just get him out of the hospital room. So he's literally the mom from Serial Mom? Kind of, sort of. He's just murdering people because they wore white after Labor Day? <laughs> No, 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 no. He, he see, Well, that's the thing about it, is that he didn't kill people that he believed had done him a bad turn. Rather, Haddon Clark killed people close to those who wronged him. Ooh. Yeah, because he wanted to put everyone else through the emotional ringer. He couldn't punt. For some reason, it's some sort of weird avoidance of conflict where he could not attack or confront the person who had wronged him. Rather, he killed someone close to to that person. He, that is so crazy. He also is a very, uh, it's very symbolic. 
A lot of this shit is very, very, again, it's just against society as a whole. It's against every single thing that punished him as he went. Because Haddon Clark did not have an easy childhood. And he did not have an easy adulthood in any way, shape, or form. Mm. He was very, he was interminably sick. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, highly dangerous for, as a, at a young age. This is a person that is not unlike a Ted Bundy or Richard Chase. This is a person that was just kind of a bomb waiting to go off. Oh yeah. my. Well, it wasn't symbolic to the people he killed, I'll tell you that. Absolutely not. And I think the paranoid schizophrenia. A lot of times mental health professionals, especially back in like the 70s and 80s, paranoid schizophrenia is just kind of a catch-all diagnosis. Mm. It's just like we don't know what the fuck's wrong with him. He's obviously dangerous. He's There's something wrong with him. Let's just call him paranoid schizophrenic and just be done with it. Because they all moved to that explanation, right? Mm -hmm. Ted Bundy had the entity. John Wayne Gacy had, what was his name? Richard uh, Falco? No, <laughs> Jack Hanley. Jack Hanley. Richard Falco was uh, <laughs> David Berkowitz's birth name. Yes, yes. <laughs> so these are the, they use Dick these Falco. other Dick Falco. It's me, Dick Falco. <laughs> oh, God. I can't believe that I was, I wanted to be Richie Falco, but everybody just looked at my attitude and called me Dickie Falco. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> And the other thing that makes Haddon Clark dangerous was that his killing a lot of times was just done on a whim. Hmm. Like he just decide in that moment, I'm going to kill this person, which puts him firmly in the disorganized killer category, which it, those are the hardest serial killers to catch. He's a Harlequin of mayhem. I put him more as a Mr. Zazz. That's what I like this. <laughs> if we're I, going for Batman villains that get beaten up in like the first three issues, because it goes like Mr. Zazz, then he goes to the Penguin, then he goes to the Riddler, and then eventually at the end you find out it was the Joker all along. Who the hell is Mr. Zazz? <laughs> but this, the thing is, right, you're saying who the hell is Mr. Zazz. But if you were in the direct vicinity of Mr. Zazz, Mr. Zazz is going to be incredibly frightening yeah. and incredibly hard to deal with. But if you're Batman, you can just kick the shit out of him. Yeah. Mr. Zaz just sounds like one of the dudes who was supposed to come up with ideas for Marvel showed up late to work, and they're like, what's your idea, Stanley? Uh, Mr. Zaz! It's Mr. Zaz! Uh, first of all, Ben, Batman is a DC I character. I don't wow. care! I don't! Uh, Stanley, oh. to the best of my knowledge, rarely, if ever, worked for DC. Oh, okay. And your simple misgendering of a superhero, that's what I'm going to call that, is a misgendering of a superhero. With that that will do to you is make all of your other opinions completely invalid. <laughs> oh, you nerds! <laughs> well, see, even though Clark was schizophrenic, the biggest problem he had mentally was that he suffered from mild brain damage. Mm, but it was mild. <laughs> it, was, it was the pace of brain damage. <laughs> but he also graduated from one of the top culinary schools in the nation, and he was a brilliant chess player. So what's the lie here? So what's the lie here? Is he an impenetrably insane person that has no control over his actions? Or, uh, or is in some way, does he kind of understand how to play the system just enough mm -hmm. to keep himself, for a while, blameless? Because mm -hmm. for a while, it's like, it ain't me, it's the women inside me. And, the, like, w if you sell it creepy enough, which he did, mm -hmm. because what we have here is a pretty classic, classic totally frightening human being in person and at like yeah. wait, having him in the office they all basically described him having him in the interrogation room was an awful experience yeah having him in because every single thing he did the way that it, one article described it was that they said that he brought 
chaos to every situation he was in, making it more difficult. No matter what it was that he was involved in, he had to be strapped to a chair. He was throwing shit around. He was pissing all over the place. He is huh. a, I mean, he's a Tasmanian devil, which I totally understand, because sometimes as a short person, you gotta go scorched earth. You do. <laughs> do we know what, uh, how the, what was the food? Was it French? The food, he could cook pretty much anything. Cook anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he had uh, multiple, multiple chef jobs over the years. And we'll, we'll get to all that later. I can but... make whipped cream. I can Ooh. make stabbed cream. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> but it's hard to solely blame the brain damage for Haddon Clark's murders or the schizophrenia or any of that mental shit. As we'll see, one of Haddon Clark's brothers was at least a psychopathic murderer and may have also been a serial killer. And he had no diagnosed mental illnesses whatsoever. Not even diagnosed! <laughs> I don't. So what we're talking about here is a muesli. A beautiful muesli of serial killer traits. Because the entire family was completely unstable. And you just, if you add, like, if you're making a, a, a fucking dessert out of eggshells. And you've already assumed that everyone is really excited for just eggshells on a plate. That's like a problem, first of all. Right. And then you're like, what I actually need? I need some salt and some pepper on it to make some people know what's seasoned. It's like, it's not getting better. I see. Okay. That, his parents should have locked it up. No no kids need it. Mm-hmm. My goodness. But before we get into the story of Haddon Clark and his family, let's acknowledge our source for this series, Born Evil by Adrian Havel, which it's a perfectly competent true crime paperback available wherever used paperbacks are sold. Great. If you want to, yeah, it's a fun afternoon read. Awesome. And also watch that Born to Kill. But again, a lot of true crime boys. So it's a lot of being like, can you even believe a maniac like this was allowed to roam free? <laughs> and so, but but it just keeps showing goofy pictures of him in a wig going, hi, uh, aren't I beautiful? Uh, narrator, could you please uh, say that again? But can you add the panty line, please? Oh, yeah. you got Because yeah, yeah, we're supposed to add the panty line. Yeah, I got to make sure to add the panty line. Yeah, 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 right. Please, okay. yeah. In a world where a man can wear Women's panties. There it is. <laughs> oh, so jealous. <laughs> there it is. So, let's get into the life of Haddon Clark. Woo! Now, Haddon Clark did not come from an underprivileged background. In fact, his lineage could be described as old-school Northeastern blue blood, hmm. going back hundreds of years in America on both sides. Clark was a Mayflower descendant, and his grandfather, Silas Skidmore Clark, <laughs> was a member of the fraternity that also boasted Gerald Ford and George H.W. Bush as members. Wait a second. So you mean hmm. tell me the hmm. secret fraternity that held some of our most respected falling down presidents, they were... <laughs> They, they're, they're just their lineage holds serial killer DNA? No way! I think it's all the incest. His grandmother, Edith, was also of rich stock. She attended Wesleyan University and founded the Sigma Kappa sorority, in addition to being a direct descendant of assumed Revolutionary War hero, John Alford. Why do you say assumed? Because I could not find any information on him being a revolutionary war hero on the internet. I did find a uh, pension form, but I could not find any stories about John Alfred. And I don't want to say he's a hero just because some fucking book says he is. <laughs> That's right. No, he was a hero. He brought everyone snacks when they were real hungry on the battlefield. Yeah. <laughs> what if he was like us? What would he was the Robin Williams of their Vietnam War? He yeah. was just He brought a smile to people's Good faces. Good morning, revolutionary war. <laughs> 
And in addition to all that, Silas Clark also fought in World War I and was at one time the mayor of White Plains, New York. Up in Westchester. Oh, he was in White Plains. (laughs) (laughs) Eventually, though, Silas and Edith had a few kids, and it seems like this is where things started going awry for the Clark family. Uh, Yeah, the kids. It's always the kids. It can be. Their oldest son, Haddon Clark the Elder, was also a veteran and fought in both World War II and the Korean War. And in between the two wars, Haddon met and married his wife, Flavia Scranton, known to her friends as Fliver, or Fliv for short. Fliver sounds like an Ewok stripper name. (laughs) Now coming stage, Fliver. (laughs) Hold my drink, I gotta go make it rain real quick. Is Ewok money shells? Uh, I don't know. And right around the time that the elder Haddon went to Korea, Fliver started birthing children. (laughs) Just had nine of them. (laughs) And all of those children, except one, was horrible in one way or another. The two oldest boys were proven murderers, while the youngest boy grew up to be a physically abusive pedophile. The only somewhat normal one was the youngest daughter, Allison, and she got the fuck away from her family the second she was able to leave the house and never look back. Can you imagine growing up in the middle of the Firefly family? Like, you are legit. (laughs) You're fine. You are, you're fine. You are a normal human being. Wasn't that also in the Adams family? Did they have that at some point? Didn't they have like a normal cousin or some shit that used to show up? That's the monsters. That's the monsters, yeah. But But she was nice. She was nice. Yeah. But you show up. You, you are born into a family of psychopaths, and they're looking at you to be the baby. They're like, you'll wear a crop top, you're going to torture <laughs> these cheerleaders with a crowbar, and you're like, I'm kind of afraid to even show my midsection. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't think I can do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, part of the reason why the Clarks were so fucked up was because both Haddon the Elder and Fliver were both wildly unsatisfied with their lives, and they regularly had drunken scream and slap fights in front of the kids. Mm. Both real bad drunks. See, Haddon the Elder had two faces. One was the respectable corporate chemist who spent his days doing things like improving the cling of plastic wrap and refining fire retardant carpeting. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, he was just a, a... Corporate scientist. He was like, yeah, one of those guys that worked for like Dow Chemical, working on household items. He's like the guys that all died in the beginning of Ninja Turtles 2. (laughs) The private face, however, was that of a tortured, unbalanced alcoholic. Hmm. See, the elder Haddon worked as a sort of contractor for these big chemical companies. And as such, he never got a piece of the pie on the household products he improved. Hmm. He figured when he improved plastic wrap, he's living off plastic wrap money for the rest of his fucking life. Right, dog. But since he was just a contractor, work for hire, no one gave a shit, and he just kind of moved on to the next one. That's horrible. Now, do you... <laughs> We're gonna he talk- signed a contract. He did. I know, but he did the. He made the plastic wrap, and then you know what? You 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 use it every day, and then every day he's reminded, "I did that. I did that." <laughs> and you don't get any money. It drives you mad. You have to be smarter with your contracts. That's true. Mm-hmm. But do you think we're gonna talk? I guess a little bit more about this later on. Do you think that the chemicals had anything to do with the family? I don't know if he was able, unless he was working on plastic wrap at home, unless I'm- he had like a little chemistry set in the basement, and Fliver was down there hanging out during the pregnancies maybe but 
I don't know. I think it was just these two people when they were put together, something about both their genes mm-hmm. and the family environment that they created just for some reason was a monster factory. Uh, you cannot trust scientists sometimes. You look at <laughs> you, you look at uh, Rick Moranis and Honey I Shrunk the Kids and then he blew them up. <laughs> and so it's like what are you doing down there? That's fiction. What are you doing it's down there? It's not a documentary. You know that, right? I, I don't know. I just I saw it, and it was definitely real to me. Because the elder Haddon never got any of the royalties from the plastic wrap or the carpeting, he saw this as a great injustice, and that rage was taken out on his family. Yeah. But while the other kids seemed to merely be witnesses to the madness, Haddon Irving Clark the Younger, the subject of our series, got all the weird abuse from both of his parents. Mm. See, Haddon was fucked right from the beginning. During his birth, the doctor was a little rough with the forceps. Oh, my goodness. Or that's what Flever claimed. Because of this, Haddon was born with mild brain damage. He had peanut head syndrome. Yeah. All right, when the doctor squeezes your baby brain too hard with forceps and they make your head look like a sexy lady's body, <laughs> like if you have an hourglass figure to your skull, right. it is not going to be good for the rest of your life. I grew up with a kid that went through a forceps incident and he was totally fine. Oh, he yeah. Just, he just had a bit of a point. Yeah. So what does he do now? I have no idea. Yeah? Oh, actually, I think I ran into him. He, uh, I think uh, last time I saw him, He's he, a uh, human screwdriver. <laughs> yeah. You see out there be like, I waved to people on the highway. <laughs> That's not a job, Arnold. No, he works at the hardware store. He's oh, doing okay. fine. He's doing great. Yeah. Is he sorting the nails or is he operating the register? <laughs> He's chewing the nails. Uh, uh, he had a booth in the back, but it was good, like the paint. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I think it's fine. I think everyone is doing great. And if you have a point to head out there- Embrace your pointy head. Job's a job, and we had a wonderful conversation. That's great. Good. Job. Good. I'm, glad. I'm glad he didn't turn to Haddon Clark. But before we blame this whole thing on the doctor, all of the boys in the Clark family were mean, angry, lawless little bastards who stole from their neighbors and destroyed property wherever they went. Because in addition to having just an unstable home life, because Haddon the Elder was doing all this contract work, they moved like every two months. Oh, so that's also like, I mean, just total instability on, yeah. at all, all corners of his life. Yeah. Mm. So... Instead of dealing with her children, Fliver instead turned to hard liquor, boozing it up at home while masquerading as the perfect mother at PTA meetings and Boy Scout gatherings. I'm going to say this to all you Flivers out there that thinks that that they that you think you're crushing into the PTA meeting when you're hammered. You're not. You you are not. We all know. We know you're hammered because especially when you start like doing that lean, like leaning on a thing, and your but your face is leaning in the same way that your elbows leaning, and you just keep saying. I don't know about y'all, but I think it's about time for a cocktail. And you're like, this is not, you're not being cool anymore. Like, you are visibly hammered. But admittedly, these children sound like absolute fucking nightmares. And one wonders, Ben, like you did, why the fuck her and her husband kept having kids? Right. Because every single one was immediately awful. Well, maybe they were hammered. Uh, they had a lot of drunken sex. Well, from the very start, Haddon, in particular, took pleasure in hurting others and never seemed to care about the difference between right and wrong. Well, Haddon became such a terror that children would actually run the other way when they saw Haddon coming because it seemed like violence was the only way that Haddon Clark knew how to communicate. Hey, you kids want to play how many bones you got? (laughs) (laughs) 
See, while other kids were learning how to read and write, Haddon was still struggling to speak in complete sentences. Hmm. And his parents did take him to professionals, but that sort of shit takes work outside of visits to the doctor. You can't just take the kid to the doctor twice a week and hope that the doctor does all the work. Right. Both Haddon the Elder and Fliver just kind of half-assed the whole fucking thing. See, patterned carpets and floors tended to confuse Haddon's brain. And this was the time of the patterned carpet. Oh, yeah, buddy. That's unfortunate. So, Haddon constantly tripped and fell any time he came across a floor that wasn't a solid color. Ooh. Yikes. So, because Haddon couldn't walk on carpet that had any sort of pattern whatsoever, Fliver wrapped his head in padded tape and just sent him out into the world looking like a tiny, slightly hydrocephalic mummy. I'll tell you what, they say it's tragic, but just make it fashion. See, me and the mummy have one thing in common, y'all. We would both eat Brendan Fraser's asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So his mom is really embarrassing him here. Oh, yeah, yeah. And when the other kids picked on Haddon for it, because he's walking around town covered in padded tape. And anytime they picked on him, he found that what made him feel better was swift, violent revenge. Hmm. He would kidnap the other kids' pets, kill them, and place the carcasses on the kids' front porch a few days later. (laughs) Jesus. Just be like, if you're one of the kids, be like... I'm sorry. I'm sorry, sorry. man. What, what the, it's like when Cartman fed everyone his their the stand his own parents. No, yeah. he fed, no, he fed Scott Tinnerman. Uh, oh, his whatever. Parents. It's like when Cartman. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Cartman's feeding people parents. But he would go above and beyond. He it, there's something about it. He had this fucking brutal mean streak yeah. from a very early age. I mean, he got nothing to tell him otherwise. Like there was no, there was nothing else that made him. Uh, feel any sort of better because his parents sort of in a way the tape around the head for me is it's not taking care of him no it's a half-assed solution you're literally just trying to get this fucking over with you're just being like whatever you're treated as a nuisance like they don't don't want you in the house you're a massive burden Mm. and so he felt it immediately so he just wanted immediately he kind of that connected where he's like I'm gonna make everybody feel my pain yeah Mm. But the tape wasn't the only thing Fliver did to Haddon. See, Haddon was the second child behind their eldest son, Bradfield Clark. Oh. <laughs> they named them all, like, streets that you don't want to go on. Dude, but they, they all sound like blue-blood aristocrats. Yeah. Like, Hello, yeah. my name is Haddon Clark. That's why we should have sound, but instead he's like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> Just like, he's got a joker grin. Yeah. Well, Haddon was expected to be a girl, so when Fliver had a few drinks, which was quite often, she'd doll up her son in pink dresses and frilly underwear, and as a result, Haddon Clark developed a preference for ladies' clothing that continues to this day, and when his mother dressed him up in girls' clothing, she'd call him Kristen, which was the name his parents had originally chosen. Now, they didn't even name the girl Kristen, they named the girl Allison. Because they'd already named Haddon Kristen. See, they already had a. Ah, don't get it. <laughs> well, Haddon Clark. Well, he got the. This is. It's not common. But being fascinated with your mom's clothes and stuff. Like they do say that. That I guess that is a part of the thing that connects it to just fetishistic obsession with female clothes. Like if you have a sexual predilection, sometimes it's connected to your mom and your relationship with your mom and all that kind of shit from back in the day. Haddon Clark. This dressing him up as a little girl was not. 
it's not starting as it doesn't it did not start sexual. What it does is it's an erasing of Haddon Clark. Yeah. When she dresses him up as a little girl and says that you were supposed to be uh you were supposed to be Kristen. You were never supposed to be Haddon. What that does is it's a constant subconscious message that you never should have existed. Yeah. And it is an extremely common thing in serial killers. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I, we've seen this again and again. Like, you know, I know, I mean, he's not a serial killer, but still pretty fucked up. Charles Manson, like his his mother dressed him in a little girl's clothing. Didn't Henry Lee Lucas's mother yes. also dress him up in, in clothing? It's, it's just this weird thing that happens with mothers when they don't get the daughter. They try to make the son the daughter. The son doesn't want to be the daughter, and it just completely fucks him up. Yeah, my mom always wanted a daughter, too. And you should see the dresses that she would buy me. Oh, <laughs> my God. She would go to another dress bar but the actual dress bar yeah exactly and uh i loved every second of it no but we <laughs> <laughs> but what is it about it? i feel like it creates a hole in their personality yeah of like that's why they also like well charles manson had a sense of grandeur right where he believed he should be a fucking folk singer superstar that that some people it drives them to places but then if you are hopelessly mediocre like charles manson like haddon clark you can't seem to get to the next level the thing that says i am a person i am i am haddon clark and yes i wear panties yeah you know what i mean but i but i am also a cook (laughs) (laughs) well even today when haddon clark dresses up like a lady he insists on going by the name Kristen bluefin Mm. Furthermore, he now claims that his multiple brutal murders, which included children, were committed by either the mysterious Miss Bluefin or by Kristen Bluefin's evil 16-year-old daughter, Nicole, both of whom live inside Haddon Clark. Ah, see, Mr. Clark, that's going to make it difficult because they have to go to jail. <laughs> and so because of that, I know you didn't do it, Haddon. It's not me, No, though. I know, but they're inside of you? Yeah. In, in order, unless, can you but shoot them out? Let me just put it this can, way. If you are going to arrest a serial killer, right? If you want to come out as a serial killer, do you arrest the house that the serial killer lives in? No. I am an apartment building. I house all of the women from Clue. They're all inside of me. (laughs) And that's the thing is that Haddon Clark also has a lady's voice. That he speaks in when he is Kristen Bluefin. He has a lady's voice. He flirts with men, uh, insists that he's not a lesbian, but when he's Haddon Clark, he is straight. But when he is Kristen Bluefin, uh, he prefers the company of men. He's like Andy Kaufman. Mm-hmm. He's very deep in character. And the way they would describe it, it's a, it's... It's unfortunately haunting because it's him, mm-hmm. because he would flutter his eyes quite a bit and he'd be like, <laughs> like he'd laugh like an old rich lady. And he had his weird wig half on his head as he's been like, you're simply darling to these to police officers and shit. And you have to just be like, cool, Haddon, cool. I, I, can we go back to Haddon? <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm sure there was just some drunk dude at a bar who was just so happy. Just he was just pretending. He would just pretend that it was all real, and he's like, "I know it's you, Haddon, but this is just the best conversation I've had with a lady in a long time." from your grave. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint 
you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse picks over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I, I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction. And it's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up, and a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. How many platforms do I work on? So many platforms. Can you believe it? Google Docs. Work on that. Very complicated. Lots of different things going out. Clickety-clack, right? Slack. Saying things to my employees. All of my, all my, my main doldgers walking around here. It makes sure it changes cluck to the word I meant for it to say to everyone. But I try to say not curse words on Slack. What am I supposed to do about it? But Grammarly doesn't fix curse words, does it? Because Grammarly's too good for it. It's too classy. It's Grammarly is an AI writing partner that helps you get work done faster with high quality writing. Because better writing means a stronger impact. The pen is mightier than the sword. Except when the sword is in the room. 96% of Grammarly users report that Grammarly helps them craft more impactful writing and suggestions based on your audience goals and context. Can you believe it? And data privacy and security are woven into the foundation of Grammarly. It's in its goods. All right. So Grammarly's great. Use it. I use it. I love its gentle harassment of my writing style because it does help me because sometimes my thumbs are faster than my eyeballs. Don't quote me on that. Get AI writing support that works where you work. Sign up and download for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done.
Back when Haddon was still a child, he found that it wasn't just his mother who was disappointed with his gender. Haddon's father would sometimes join the game as well and call his son Kristen when Fliver dressed him up. So he's got both of his parents calling him Kristen, telling him you weren't supposed to be a boy, you're supposed to be a girl. Haddon's father also had another nickname for his son. Uh And we mention this only because it's absolutely central to the story. Haddon the Elder called his son the retard and called him this so much that the young boy believed that it was as much a part of his name as Clark. Oh my. So he's getting no validation whatsoever. None. And with, also combined with mental illness already. And that must have been made for a day at the DMV trying to change his license. <laughs> oh yeah. That's hard. That's hard. About the only relief Haddon got was when he was taken to a Baptist church when he was a boy, and the pastor told him that God loved everyone. So, to show how much he loved God back, anytime Haddon would sing hymns, even to this day, he sings them at the highest volume possible <laughs> in a nasal falsetto. God's got a lot of work to do on me. Uh, that would make me laugh and laugh, though, if I was a kid. Oh, man, because the evangelicals, they love to sing loud yeah. and bad. Oh, yeah. Just for hours and hours. But Church did absolutely nothing to alleviate Haddon's violent tendencies. He would trap squirrels, raccoons, possums, and sometimes skunks for his own private little zoo, which... That zoo tended to have a pretty high mortality rate. Ah, see, zoo, zoos needs a, zoos need a lot of turnover, yeah. so you can get new guests. Why do you think zoo sushi? Why do you think zoo sushi sucks so much? <laughs> yeah, not good. About the only animal that survived and had in zoo for any meaningful period of time. Ooh, can what, I guess? Guess an animal. I'm gonna say that Haddon Clark got along with exceptionally. Ooh, okay, maybe a turtle. No. Okay, rabbit? No. Is it big or small? Uh, it's medium size. It's about the size of Puffin, actually. Is I it... feel like I'm just with a very disappointing farmer's son. <laughs> <laughs> is it a pig? It's not a pig. Ah, what is it? It's a raccoon! Yeah. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, he found a raccoon that had gotten hit by a car. He nursed it back to health and taught it how to sit on his head. Oh, and Haddon would ride around town on his bike with a little raccoon passenger clinging to his scalp. <laughs> hi, hi, everybody. Like my hat? My hat's got rabies, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of cute, though. And this is, uh, also, this is not uh, just specific to Haddon Clark. Jeffrey Dahmer also uh, had, I think it was a little bird named Dusty that mm. he nursed back to health. It's weird that they kind of choose one. Yeah. It's like he chooses one again. It's a little game that he can play within his tiny inner universe of God, mm-hmm. of who lives and who dies. And I'm sure the moment that raccoon... Uh, hurt him because it was a wild fucking animal the moment that raccoon got mad and bit him or scratched him i'm sure Haddon clark immediately broke its fucking neck yep. dangerous hat it's a dangerous hat to have <laughs> yes and not surprisingly Haddon did not do well at school he bounced from private schools to public schools and back again including a small private christian school named the jiminy cricket academy see my problem with the name of this school is that it's a place that's supposed to be for education is that not only is it based upon a fictional character, but just scientifically, just the facts. A cricket cannot dance or sing. No, it cannot. No, it cannot. 
But even the smaller classroom sizes didn't help Haddon. He was held back twice in elementary school. He didn't graduate high school until he was 20 years old. Well, that's the strangest thing about being a bad student. They keep you there longer. Yeah. I know. Get it's me like, out of here. No, get out. <laughs> By the time Haddon got to be a teenager, he was even more dangerous. Once, after mowing a neighbor's lawn, he was found inside the neighbor's house in her bedroom wearing her nightgown. From there, he moved on to stealing his mother's lingerie and his sister's dolls. Who doesn't want their mother's sexy, sexy lingerie? You know what it is? Highly, highly common among serial killers. It's very, very common, the stealing of, because we talk about with Jerry Brudos, too. They're Mm -hmm. obsessed with the lingerie. John Wayne Gacy. Yes. There's something about... Because, again, it goes past curiosity. It's that first steps where you walk into your bedroom and you see a, a kid that uh, the only way I could describe him is like Ewan McGregor from uh, from Trainspotting. Trainspotting. He is shaven head, gaunt, big, crazy eyes, pointy ears, big, snarling smile, just hanging out in your bedroom. He's not supposed to be in your bedroom. He no. mows your lawn. Yeah. You give him $10 to mow your lawn. He's in your house wearing your underwear. And he's just like, ha. This is nice. And, like, and for a second, you have to be like, huh, Haddon, I didn't expect to see you here. Like, you have to act kind of normal so that you don't kind of, like, make this a bigger problem. So you just kind of act like it's this weird little episode. But then you start seeing these patterns where he is just building this inner other private life where the, the lady costume is not a friendly costume. No. Well, they should have known something was up because he mowed the lawn with his teeth. Yeah. There it is. There it is. Now we're back in business. Then his first arrest came after he was caught peeping on another neighbor. And when Haddon had to be punished, his father would wait until Haddon came out of the bathtub. Then he would attack his son with a belt when Haddon was naked and at his most vulnerable. He surprised, attacked, punished his son? He would just wait behind a door, and then as soon as his son walked out naked, he'd just start hitting him with the belt. This Good is Lord. Did they read a book on how to be parents to, to raise a serial killer? Because like, they were doing a great job of raising a serial killer. It's something about hitting also him being so vulnerable. It's so purposefully done. It, yeah. is, it is like they're following a series of tips of how to Jeez. fucking create a murderer. This surprise violence may have led to Haddon's first murder in 1964, when Haddon was just 14 years old. Now, we don't have any detail on the murder, nor do we have any facts to support Haddon's claim that he killed someone for the first time when he was 14. But Haddon claims that he murdered a boy and that his father helped him cover up the crime. And that I don't really doubt that much. It's similar to Ted Bundy. Mm-hmm. What we'll see later on is that he's gonna he always mixes in a little bit of the truth in with all of his weird ass lies. It's a pick it's a that's a uh that's a parent pickle. Mm-hmm. You don't want your son to go to prison forever, but then he's also a murderer. Yeah. Really, about the only happy times in Haddon's childhood were when he would visit his grandparents on their retirement property in Cape Cod. Because actually his grandparents were supposedly extremely sweet extremely nice people like it really was something happened when Haddon Clark the Elder and Fliver got together both of them like came from perfectly nice perfectly wonderful families and then just when they two got those two got together it's just fucking awful from then on Mm. but you know the grandpa was doing stuff every once in a while he's like I have an idea how to fix Haddon Uh, Merry Christmas Haddon I got you a football 
This will allow Yay. you to really express yourself in a way that'll get all that energy out, so you're not stealing panties from your grandmother anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <work>. thanks! <laughs> a football, huh? <laughs> Stop trying to put it inside of yourself. <laughs> all right? Now you go outside and play with that like a normal person. I'm going to beat you when you get out of the shower, just like your father does. <laughs> but, you know, on the other hand... Uh, his grandparents' property was also where Haddon claims to have buried multiple bodies later mm. on. Mm. And at the very least, it is definitely where he buried his trophies. Which they were fucking asking for it, huh? <laughs> Having <laughs> grandchildren. Yeah, like what kind of trophies? Like bowling trophies or like soccer? <laughs> did, you, did you play soccer? Yes. Murder trophies. <laughs> Murder trophies. Yeah, from the JV murder league. <laughs> oh, I see. Now, even though Bradfield, Allison, and Haddon's younger brother, Jeffrey, all went to college, Haddon was kind of stuck at home. Mm. But at the age of 20, right after he graduated high school, Haddon finally discovered his passion. You want to guess what it is? Oh, my God. Oh, no. This is going to be... What What career do you think Haddon had? <laughs> um, oh, let's see here. Optometrist. Uh, <laughs> you think doctor. that Haddon Clark was an optometrist or a foot doctor? I, he, could, he could be a foot doctor. Have you heard anything at all about how he didn't graduate high school until he was 20 years old? Uh, maybe someone who... Um, ah, a drug tester for the NYPD. <laughs> what, like he just collected piss in a bucket? I don't know. Uh, no, I would say traffic cop. No, uh, person. My father was a traffic cop. <laughs> I don't know. Chef. Oh, yes. He's a chef. He was a cook. Apparently a very competent one. Uh, the restaurant industry is really a home for the misfit. Yeah. It's crazy stuff out there. Now, his first idea was to start a bakery in his parents' basement. Mm. Uh, that's going to be tough to get to, though. Because yeah. <laughs> you got to like... go to his parents' basement. There's nothing that sounds more enjoyable than going to have a nice breakfast scone at Mommy's Basement Bakery. <laughs> <laughs> but instead of indulging the basement bakery idea, Fliver used her connections to get Haddon accepted at the Culinary Institute of America in Hyde Park. And I know like our listeners who are chefs right now are probably going, what the fuck? Because this is one of the most prestigious chef schools in the country. Legitimately, this shows the real power of wealth and connections in this country. Oh, yeah. yeah. The fact that they, this, this Haddon Clark, serial killer, a uh, total unrepentant madman who would go on to drink blood and his own piss living in a fucking tent. He went to one of the most prestigious cooking schools in the country. Well, I hope you... he didn't drink blood there. That's very unsanitary. <sighs> well, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. <laughs> well, surprisingly, he did okay. Oh, all right. There you go. <laughs> he showed a particular talent for carving ice sculptures, and he was also very good at making little figures out of rendered animal fat. So he went to he went to culinary school and created the two things you can't eat: <laughs> ice sculptures and rendered fat. It's a big paying money for people to pay for those as centerpieces of big stupid fancy parties. Mm -hmm. I know. And his spun sugar swans were said to be particularly beautiful. I love a good Haddon Clark sponge cake. Is it sponge cake? <laughs> spun sugar. Spun S sugar. Spun sugar swan. You need to watch Great British Bake Off. He more. does. I don't like it because they're not mean enough. I love it because they're not mean. That's I have why I like mean it. in my life. I like to watch British people being nice to each other for an hour every Friday. And but they're they... genuinely talented. Yeah. Yeah. Baking is not good television. It's wonderful television. It's wonderful television. television. Cooking is you're good out, television. You were outvoted here, my <laughs> I don't know. You are off the island. Survivor. You remember that? I remember that. That guy died. Yeah, that guy, Rudy, he's fucking dead. <laughs> 
The, the oven's doing all the work. <laughs> Not, My God. I don't want to I'll talk with him about this. I'll check it out. <laughs> the only real incident at the Culinary Institute was when Haddon got angry at someone and urinated into a large vat of mashed potatoes. If I knew it was that kind of party, I would have stuck my dick into mashed potatoes. <laughs> wow. That's a classic chef's, reven- classic chef's revenge, though. Yeah. I mean, this Haddon Clark is like, if Tyler Durden was real, he would be Haddon Clark. Oh. Like, that's a sociopath's move, pissing in the mashed potatoes. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Remember the end of that movie? That's crazy. You just want to spoil <laughs> the ending of uh, a 20-year-old film? No, he did good. He just said, that's crazy. Yeah. It was, it was crazy. It was a crazy ending. Yeah. Fight Club. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that is great. Yeah. That is really great. But Haddon Clark showed in this that he could actually fucking graduate. Yeah. Like, this is a difficult school. So on some level, like, he had genuine skills. Yeah. And he could keep his shit together if... He tried hard enough. Now, was he medicated during this time? No. Okay. No, absolutely not. Huh? Just on fucking spun sugar swans. <laughs> but Haddon discovered another passion while at culinary school. Haddon became obsessed with knives. Oh, that's the one thing about culinary school. A lot of knives. Yeah. He collected every type of kitchen knife he could find, gave them all razor-sharp edges, engraved his name on the blades, and stored them all in a long metal box that he always kept in his truck. But that's what chefs do. They have their their knife box. It's weird to keep it in your truck, though. You know, it, I think they will get some feedback on this because chefs are very close with their knives and they do take very, very good care of them. Which Hadden, I understand. I think Hen Clark... Got, like, super attached to his knives. Yeah. And I think that, you know, there is a line, I think, on some level, and I think every chef, though, but I think what makes a good chef is the dallying on the line of, will I create a roast chicken dinner for everyone, or will I kill the staff and everyone in this restaurant? (laughs) Yeah. Because the tension, you can feel it, and you're like, he's really teetering on the edge of something here, and I think that it's delicious. (laughs) Well, since Haddon had a degree from such a prestigious school, he had no problem getting hired at restaurants after graduation. The problem came was in actually keeping those jobs. Mm. Between 1974 and 1982, Haddon Clark was hired and fired from 14 different jobs. Like Nick Turner. Yeah. (laughs) Usually, Haddon got fired just for doing weird shit. Like when he got fired from a Portuguese restaurant in Massachusetts for chugging beef blood in the kitchen. Oh, you don't do it in the kitchen. You do it in the freezer. If you're going to be stealing food out of the kitchen, you always go to the freezer. I learned that at Pizza Hut. I tell you what, I dared everybody on the staff that I would do it, and they ignored me, and they they didn't even care that I dared, that I said that I could do it. But I said, I did it. I could do it. So I did it, and then it didn't impress anybody. Everybody got mad, and I just got diarrhea. Oh. <laughs> But right around the time that Haddon was starting his career as a chef, his father and Fliver finally got a divorce. Ah. The younger Haddon blamed his mother's drinking, but Fliver turned it right back around and said she drank because of Haddon, telling him, quote, It's you who made me drink, and now I can't stop. Because I, I love it. You gotta take some <laughs> personal responsibility. But also say thank you for giving her a super fun hobby. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It didn't seem to go well for her. But right before Haddon's parents got divorced, Haddon claims to have truly begun his career as a serial murderer. Hmm. He claims that he was the man who murdered a still unidentified young woman known as the Lady of the Dunes. Ooh. See, Haddon was an avid fisherman. 
and he said he came across this young woman in Massachusetts while he was on a fishing trip. Now, according to forensics, the victim was nearly decapitated, part of her skull was crushed by a large tool, and someone had shoved a wooden implement into her vagina after death. Then the murderer pulled out all of her teeth, cut off both her hands and one forearm, and left the body on the dunes for someone else to find. And to this day, no one has any idea who she is. Really? About the only clue to her identity came when Joe Hill, author of the fantastic comic Lock and Key, yes. among other novels like Heart Shaped Box and what was the other one? The Fireman? Everything that he does is great. I fucking love Joe Hill. And Nosferatu yeah. is fun, but Heart Shaped Box is my favorite of all of his work. Yeah. And Lock- 20th Century Ghosts is also great. Yeah, Lock and Key is my favorite. Joe Hill's fucking great. Love Lock and Key. Yeah. But Joe Hill said that he recognized the face shown in the Lady of the Dunes reconstruction while he was watching Jaws. Yep. This is a this is a very fun piece of true crime uh, trivia. Yeah. Really? Apparently, a woman who resembles the reconstruction was an extra in one of the beach scenes in Jaws. She was wearing a blue bandana and jeans. And the lady in the dunes was found with a blue bandana and jeans Whoa. tucked under her head. And this is not too terribly far-fetched. Jaws was being filmed about 100 miles away in Martha's Vineyard, right before the Lady of the Dunes was found. But this knowledge still didn't help with identification, and this is just kind of a fun little piece of true crime trivia. Because, tidbit. But what Haddon Clark claims is that the blunt instrument used to bash in the skull of the Lady of the Dunes was the handle of his fishing pole. Mm. And after he killed her and severed her hands, he used her fingers, he says, as experimental fishing bait. Yeah, because you put it out on the line, and it's like going, come here, little fish. Just come here with the little come here motion. Right. I don't know if they'd respond to that, though. I don't do fish. Don't tell me how to fucking fish. <laughs> I don't. I just, don't just tell me how to fish. I'm, I'm not, calling I'm, Christian. I'm not telling you how to fish. I'm just saying it's a, it seems kind of strange. Do fish like fingers? I don't think they like. I don't think it worked out. I no. think I think he's just trying to be creepy. He's having fun with it. He's just trying to be creepy. He's just Ugh. trying to say the word. He's trying to. It, it sounds like a, uh, I don't know, like the sort of horror story like a fucking freshman in college would write right he well it's very common in serial killers for you to for to trump up the details of the stories there were there was an interesting detail that he did get correct that i'll bring up in a little bit yeah uh and he said that he buried the rest of the body that he didn't use as experimental bait on cape cod on his parents land is on his grandparents land he even claims to know her identity but refuses to divulge it because, as he said, law enforcement had treated him badly over the years. Oh, And we have absolutely no idea if Clark is telling the truth here. In fact, he isn't even the only somewhat famous suspect. And honestly, the other suspect even makes a little more sense when you consider the mutilation done to the body post-mortem. Some think that the Lady of the Dunes might have been an Irish sex slave brought to America by the infamous mobster Whitey Bulger, hmm. and her hands and teeth may have been removed gangland style to prevent identification. And now that does happen, but most of the time they're just they're just dumped out like what the the serial killer that was murdering sex workers in New York City that they thought that might have been actually just a mob thing. The Gigolo Beach Killer. Yes, yeah, so that was just possibly just a burial site 
for people that owed money to the mob. Yeah. Because we forget, back in the day, the mob really was incredibly dangerous. Now it's just on TV shows, and it's still in Staten Island, but you have to choose to live in Staten Island <laughs> to be affected yeah. by the mob. Well, Whitey Bulger was said to dispose of bodies this way okay. uh, in order to get, just to remove any sort, just to pretty much make a person disappear. And I think that that could also be a lot more uh, likely because of the cut up to the forearm. Because mm. uh, I would think the only reason for that, uh, possibly uh, an identifying tattoo. Possibly. If she, if she had a tattoo on her forearm, then that could be used to identify her. And whoever did this right. wanted to make sure that she was not un, that she was not identified because all of this was done post mortem. Yeah. Well, that's one of the good things with everyone having so many tattoos now. You're gonna you're gonna have some identifying marks. Yeah, for sure. That is really great. That's the best part about that tattoos is, is that they can really <laughs> identify your dead fucking body if they pull you out of a river. Yeah. <laughs> Really, the only evidence put forth for Haddon Clark being the killer is that in 2004, Clark sent a letter to a friend claiming responsibility for the murder of the Lady of the Dunes, along with two drawings. Ooh, I got another letter from Haddon. Ooh, I wonder what it's going to say. <laughs> oh, it smells like shit. Ah, uh, Well, one of the drawings was a naked, handless woman laying on her stomach, and the other drawing was a map pointing to the location where the body was found. But the one, he had one fact that the cops hid from the newspapers that he said that he, he said without provocation from the police, which is the one thing that was strange about Haddon Clark's involvement in Lady of the Dunes. They said when they found her body, her hands were buried in the sand. Like her hands were car carried off and they said it looked as if she was doing a push up. Her wrists were buried in the yes, sand. Yes, her wrists were yeah, buried in the sand. her hands were totally gone. Yes. <laughs> Formally, yes. her stumps were in the sand yes. doing I very just be, I just want to clarify. Thank you. Thank you. Where her hands used to be. Yes. <laughs> Haddon Clark said that specifically. It's like, uh -huh. yeah, I chopped off her hands and then I put her in a little position like she was doing a push-up. Like he said this thing to cops and they're all like, Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Weird. But right around the same time that Haddon was supposedly committing this murder, he was also making damn good money carving ice sculptures for banquet halls in Long Island. Uh, Mr. Uh, Haddon Clark, Mr. Clark, um, could you make this ice sculpture a little bit different? It looks like a woman is being buried in the sand. Yeah, that's not like what I did right here. That's, you can see this is a no-handed lady that's sculpture. A no lady. And I smashed up all her teeth so that you couldn't even identify yeah. her if just from the sort of ice sculpture version of her. It's just Because funny. I'm just so anxious she was born. Oh, with perfect breasts. Yeah. You giving him breasts. Just looking at the contract here, we requested a mermaid. <laughs> a mermaid. Oh, uh, I guess I'll just cut off her fucking feet, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hadn't even got a six-week assignment as an ice sculptor at the 1980 Winter Olympics in Lake Placid. Oh Won the best in show ribbon. Get the fuck out of here. He's very talented. <laughs> what is going on? This story is too crazy. By 1982, though, Haddon's bizarre behavior made him pretty much unemployable. So he moved in with Fliver on a property in Meriden, Connecticut. But in March, Haddon, without provocation or explanation, just beat the fuck out of his mother. Just Jeez. attacked her and beat her. Haddon Clark will never know a moment of peace in his life, ever. No. Uh, every single part of his life was uh, filled with conflict and with uh, bullshit. Like he, and he was not innocent. 
he was a person that obviously would kind of ramp shit up. Always. Mm. But when it came to his mom, because now we're going to see he kind of gets passed around by his family quite a bit. And so she caught him stealing. Immediately, he just flips out because he can't. I think he has some kind of what you said before. He's kind of like an avoidant personality. So as soon as you start showing any sort of evidence of like what his behavior actually is, he flips out. Yeah. Like he does not like to be confronted with what he's doing. Now, he was arrested, but the charges were dropped as they would be again and again. Rich kid. He he would get, and it's not even a rich kid thing. It's, I don't know quite how to explain it, but he just sort of kept falling through the cracks because it would be, he would commit crimes against all sorts of people and then he just kept getting lenient judges. I am going to say that you have backed your way into agreeing with me. Rich kid. No, it seems like, but they don't have, but he was being defended by public defenders and they weren't really getting like a family history from him because it was a lot of times like he would be living in a fucking tent in the woods and he would go up against the judge. Like it was, I don't know exactly what it is, but he just kept getting charges dropped. Either people feeling sorry for him or people think like, well, he's got mental illness, so let's go easy on him. This is a controversial view I probably have, but I think that he has something like a mental handicap like little like like a dial he can turn up yeah and so when he puts himself in these situations because you'll see this time and time again he starts acting real stupid and he starts acting real like i don't know what i was doing like he gets all childlike they say that he would shake and cry every single time anybody confronted about anything i don't know why i didn't he would change into these characters but then they said that like kind of almost Kaiser Soze like that when he'd leave he'd be he'd like straighten up like yeah. he would so there's somewhere in between he's obviously right. very sick yeah but right there he also had some kind of conductor like control over the people inside of his brain he's manipulative just like every other fucking every serial right. killer is manipulative mm-hmm. um, to some extent interesting Live from your grave. one in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. Besides appetizers, that's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanada is already Spanish? I didn't. Thanks, Babel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish? Wow. I just got to learn all the rest. And eventually, I'm going to be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babel. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad, too, so let's get right to it. The new Moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money Maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Fluffy bread, fresh tortillas, classic burger buns, and so many carbs. 
Carb fear is real, but Hero Bread makes healthier versions of the carb-heavy favorites we love the most. We're talking fewer calories, zero to two grams net carbs, zero grams of sugar, and seriously great taste. Plus more of the dietary fiber and protein you want. No compromise. Don't skip out on your favorites. Just use Hero Bread. Get 10% off your order at Hero.co with code Hero10 at checkout. That's Hero10 at H-E-R-O.co. Well, because of Haddon's violent disposition, Fliver made Haddon sleep on a cot in the barn. Mm. And out there in the barn, Haddon started getting weird with it. You know, it's always about the separation. As soon as a serial killer becomes Caroline in the city out on his own, (laughs) they just really, once they let their hair down, it's always bad. Well, Island Gossip had it that Haddon liked killing turtles. Hmm. So you were close earlier. Ah. He supposedly kept the rotting shells of so many slaughtered turtles arranged around his cot that you could smell the stench of decay from a hundred yards away. Now what did a turtle ever do to him? I love a good turtle. I mean, turtles actually kind of freak me out a little bit. A little bit. But I'd say leave them alone. Yeah, leave them alone. Of course leave them alone. But he just needed to kill something. He is the serial killer equivalent to Heathcliff. (laughs) A little bit. A little bit. Now, Haddon knew that he was losing it even further. So, since he couldn't get hired as a chef and to give his life a bit of structure, Haddon Clark joined the United States Navy at the age of 29. Okay. Now, Haddon thought that joining the Navy would give him all sorts of new skills for a new career in a new town. Everything's going to change around. Absolutely. Between the commercials and the song from the village people, you think you're (laughs) going to be doing nothing but, like, learning how to tie knots and sucking dick, and it's going to be so much fun. Right. And the recruiter told him that was all but guaranteed. Yeah, you're going to get in there. You're going to get a new job. Don't worry about it. You're not going to be a chef. You're going to be a Navy man. You're going to find out how to do all sorts of wonderful things. And you're after you get out of the Navy, man, your life is going to turn around. And when he got out of boot camp, they said, you're going to be a chef, mister. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Honestly, though, if if he wasn't um, a supervillain, he would it might have given some structure because it also does play upon his skills. You're hoping yeah. with serial killers, they're all born out of pure mediocrity like we talked before so the idea is that if he could actually maybe have really shown his skills and figured out how to be the best navy cook that's ever cooked an egg on a submarine then maybe it would have been it's good for him but you know what do you really cook what can you cook on those things anything i mean he's a galley chef or uh, chef cook definitely a galley cook so he i mean he's cooking vats of things right for many many men he's i mean he's used to the very high class culinary things yeah it's probably a, a bit of a blow to the ego. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Have you ever watched, um, was it a restaurant emergency with the big guy? Uh, restaurant Impossible. Restaurant Impossible. Yep. That seen, guy. I've seen that guy, yep. That guy. What's his name? Uh, big, strong guy. T- uh, I want to say. Robert yes. Irvine. Robert Irvine. Robert yeah. Irvine. He knows you can make food. You can make good amounts of food for a large group of people. You just have to put a little bit of love, a little bit of care, and rightly source your ingredients. And you can make a whole bunch of people on a boat throw up. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Now, his first assignment was a nuclear aircraft carrier named the USS Carl Vinson. That's cool. Yeah, and since it was nuclear, everyone on board, everyone, was supposed to have a classified clearance. But they just let Haddon stroll on board without one. Yay, I love to be on a boat. Excuse me, where are the missiles? I mean, mess hall. (laughs) I'm the new cook. I hope you guys like turtle meat. (laughs) But soon after his duty began, the other sailors discovered that Haddon wore women's panties under his uniform. And as a result, they started just beating the fuck out of him whenever they could. He was transferred to another ship, but that one was no different from the first. 
He was transferred yet again, but the stress of constant beatings in addition to his previous mental problems just got to be too much, and Haddon was kicked out of the Navy after two unspecified breakdowns at both a department store and an airport. Maybe he doesn't need to be in the military. Although I would say they should have treated him a little bit nicer. I don't care if you're wearing panties. It's about the, it's about the it's about the flag on the uniform. Yeah, I, but I mean, I believe that that is completely. He, he didn't have an easy time of it, and he didn't deserve to get beat. No, uh, in the navy, ob- absolutely not. No matter what the. Fu- I mean, they didn't know he was a serial killer. <laughs> they, <laughs> no, they, they, no just, they were beating him because he wore ladies' clothing. Yes, yeah, yeah. They didn't know he was. A, he deserves to get beat for being a serial killer, but not for wearing panty and bra. Women's no. panties. <laughs> <laughs> and so. With nowhere else to go, Haddon Clark moved into his brother Jeff's basement and found a job as a cook. Just another cook, cook job. Just regular cook job. Yeah. From what Jeff said, though, as bad as Haddon was before the Navy, he was worse mm. when he got out. Because he also picked up another head injury. Because during one of those beatings, he'd gotten a severe concussion. Jeez. Well, two months after moving in with his brother, Haddon was arrested for shoplifting panties and bras. Mm. But Haddon Clark's proven crimes at that point were absolutely nothing compared to what his older brother Bradfield was about to do. Bradfield, he was the good son. Yeah, this shining star. I mean, Mm. he was supposed to be the guy. He was the example that all the rest of them were supposed to follow. Okay. I mean, he was smart enough to ride the new technology boom and do a good job in Silicon Valley. But he started in the late 70s. By like 1984, he had this great job at a company called Timeshare Mm. as a software specialist. He was kind of like a Patrick Bateman. He's in this house looking good. Beautiful new house. Fucking top of the pops in the 1980s computer scene, which is just, you know, like, you have a computer the size of a horse, (laughs) you ride it to your work, you take it back to your home, he had a cell phone the size of a fire hydrant, he was the coolest dude in the world. Mm -hmm. And Marcus, I do have to say, Silicon Valley is in Miami, Florida, Silicon Valley. Oh, Silicon, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. we doing this? Are we getting you doing this? Oh, go, oh, are you Mr. Tweet? Huh? Oh, hey, Mr. Mr. Tweet? I'm Mr. Uh, Tweet? Mr. Mr. Tweet? No, Seems I'm like Mr. Zazz. <laughs> no, kill him! <laughs> now, it seems like psychotic breakdowns might run in the family, because soon after getting the job at Timeshare, Bradfield started becoming obsessed with the story of Grindle. You know, the half-man, half-monster story? Well, but what it's was the, the obsession? He became he became obsessed with John Gardner's Grendel, which okay. is a story. It was, it's a fucking incredible book, but it's about uh, the story of the monster Grendel that was destroyed by Beowulf, right? So it's this constant, it's this old school Norse hero's tale about Beowulf killing this dragon Grendel. But hmm. this story is told from the perspective of Grendel as this monster that's essentially chained and 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 kind of manipulated by an evil mother so it's um very scary to uh identify with grendel yeah right. eventually i mean at first kind of tertiary see it as someone who was like a fat kid i always was thinking about that like that goo goo doll song i was always being like don't want the world to see me like <laughs> oh they wouldn't I, understand if they did i yeah. felt like the hunchback of notre dame which i can see why yeah. you think that when you're 15 but when you're um already a millionaire in the 1980s computer scene you don't need to identify with grendel no yeah, no I, I have to say um i listened to that stain song too much Remember the stains? I'm on the outside. I'm looking in. But uh, it's just because I was so tall, I had to stand in the back. (laughs) (laughs) Weird. 
And he also just started walking around the office, mumbling under his breath, garbling his speech. But despite this, Bradfield managed to woo a married co-worker named Trish Mack into a bit of office Hanky panky. Ooh, hanky panky. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the movie Scrooge? Do you remember the movie Scrooge? Of course. Do you remember the Christmas party in Scrooge yeah, yeah. and the girl that was taking her like pic- the photocopying the pictures of her panties mm-hmm. for the fo- I see her as that where it was like full 80s. She's like he's like you should come over. We can have some Chinese food. We can yeah. maybe get some and then she goes over there and um he's Grendel now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, a bit of heavy petting after hours turned into a dinner invitation. And on July 20th, 1984, Trish came over to Bradfield's garden apartment for dinner while her husband was out of town. Hmm. For the meal, Bradfield barbecued lamb out in his garden, and afterwards, both he and Trish started drinking heavily, moving from beers to scotch and sodas to gin and tonics before sharing appropriately a nice bottle of Chianti. Mm, that is very appropriate. I wonder why. The drinking eventually turned into more heavy petting, but when Trish took off her shirt, Bradfield started biting at her breast. And she asked him to stop because she didn't want evidence of her infidelity because remember, she was married, mm-hmm. but Bradfield wouldn't. So she slapped him. In response, Bradfield closed fist, punched Trish in the face, went back down to her breast, and ripped her nipple off with oh, his teeth. Jesus. Think about this. No escalation. Ooh. Unless there was previous shit in his life, which, I mean, it speaks to what we're, as we're oh going to roll God. through, which is essentially Gold Star territory, as we roll through the rest of this crime, you wonder where the fuck this impulse came from. Yeah. Then, as she screamed on the floor, Bradfield choked her and bashed her head into the cinder blocks he used as bookshelves until she lost consciousness. And not knowing what to do next, he just grabbed a pack of smokes and went for a little stroll around the old town of Los Gatos, California, where he lived. By the time he got back, Trish Mack had almost bled out on his carpet. So Bradfield decided to take it further. He dragged her to his bathtub, removed all her clothes, and completely sliced off one of her breasts. And it's not known for sure if she was still alive at this point, Ugh. but the blood spatter in the bathroom on the walls suggests that her heart was probably still pumping blood Ooh, when Bradfield did this. Damn. Not conscious, but still alive. Ugh. Whether she was alive or not. Bradfield then took the breast outside where he'd been barbecuing lamb just hours before, tossed it on the grill as Trish bled out and died in his bathtub. Then, after grilling the breast until it turned black, Bradfield Clark put it on a plate and ate it. Oh, my. And this is the side character in this story? This is the brother of the serial killer. And if because if it was Haddon... He would have known that that's called a char (laughs) because of his time, the CIA. That's true. Afterward, Bradfield returned to the bathroom, poured rubbing alcohol over Trisha's pubic hair, and lit her genitals on fire. Seemingly done with experimentation, Bradfield changed clothes. Dressed only in jorts. He began the disposal of the body. The only thing that, again, it's like if he just put on Huey Lewis in the news, if he put on sports, this is American Psycho. Maybe he did. Who knows? 
Working until dawn, Bradfield used a 7-inch deboning knife to dismember Trish Mack's body into 11 pieces. He twisted off appendages, he divided the torso horizontally, and he removed the head. After he was done, he shoved the parts in garbage bags and stored them in his closet. About the act of dismemberment, Bradfield said, quote, I was less than thrilled by the whole experience. Less than thrilled, huh? Hey, man, there's a lot of feelings underneath thrilled. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) But the next night, Bradfield almost did it again, except this time he'd invited two women to his house. The bloodstains from when Bradfield had ripped off Trish's nipples and when he bashed her head against the bookshelf, they were still quite clear on the carpet. But the women just assumed he'd spilled red wine. Well, what they said, the, they said they thought that they might have been the examples of his bachelor lifestyle, mm-hmm. which then you start to think, how many times have they gone over to a single dude's house just to find pools of dried blood everywhere? <laughs> you know, bachelors. <laughs> bachelors. <laughs> and the dismembered body was still in the fucking closet in 11 pieces. While they were sitting on the couch. Hmm. All while Bradfield prepared a nice chicken dinner. But Bradfield found that he couldn't even go through with dinner, much less killing two more people. It's like, uh, do you guys want some breasts? <laughs> <laughs> you, okay? Are you okay, dude? Yeah, Let's just go- don't know if we want some of this juicy breasts for the chicken. Here. <laughs> After setting out the chicken dinners on TV trays, he found that food made him sick. So... Telling the women he had a bug, he went to the bathroom and started loudly vomiting. And that's when the ladies took the cue to leave. Yeah, I think you we're and your to girlfriend, go. you and your girlfriend go to this eligible bachelor's house. He makes you chicken dinners like this is incredible, and you're both talking about who's going to date him. And then he lights the candles. You just hear like, "Dude looks like a lady," <laughs> like playing into the background. He's just like, "Guys, um, excuse me for one moment, please." Enjoy yourself. So it's from Chianti in the fridge. We I had a bottle open from the other night. Excuse me, I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be right back. You just stay right there. I got no more soup. <laughs> I think we should go. <laughs> After they were gone, Bradfield got to the task of getting rid of the body. He wheeled the corpse bags out to his Datsun in a shopping cart and fit as much as he could in the trunk. And what didn't fit went into two trash cans at opposite sides of his apartment complex. Following that, he went to the store, bought some wool-like carpet cleaner, and scrubbed the bloodstains out of his carpet best as he could. Did he also get some new Coke? Did he go to the Reebok <laughs> store and, yeah. and, and get some Afrin? Then, the next afternoon... A new print. New print. Little, little. Yellow. yellow different. different. Then, the next afternoon, the detectives showed up because Trish had told someone, hey, I'm going to go to Bradfield's house for dinner tonight. Now, Bradfield had actually done a hell of a job cleaning up, and he told the cops she just didn't show up. I haven't seen her since I saw her at work a few days ago, Mm. but I've been at home with a bit of a bug. Yeah. And so the detectives searched the apartment, pretty much gave him the all clear. But Bradfield couldn't deal with the pressure. So pretty soon after the cops left, he tried committing suicide by stabbing himself to death. Ah. But only the stab wound to the stomach was serious. And after trying to slit an artery in his neck, Bradfield just passed out. When he woke up, he called an ambulance and passed out again on the way to the hospital. When he woke up, two cops were standing over him. 
They asked him, do you know Trish Mack? And he immediately said, she's dead. She's in the trunk of my car. Ah. Just confessed. Oh, yeah. But showed no remorse whatsoever. About the closest he came to remorse was uh, this statement that he made about the murder. Well, it uh, definitely is the strangest thing to ever happen to me. <laughs> the strangest, how do you think she feels? <laughs> it's such a Kissel response Good. to murder. Weird. Weird. <laughs> wild stuff. <laughs> what? But since this was 1984, the cops decided to focus on an issue of heavy metal magazine oh found in Bradfield's apartment as a way to explain away the crime. Uh, I hate this shit. It's always, it so it's much. so dumb. Because it's 1984. This is satanic panic that everyone's looking for something to blame. And a particular interest was a cartoon. This is, and this is seriously what the cops thought was the motive for the crime, or at the very least, the inspiration. It was a cartoon of an octopus chasing a woman and grabbing at her. And then once the octopus caught the woman, the story cut to a couple of aliens, uh, the aliens who had sicked the octopus on the woman in the first place, discussing cutting the woman up. You see, uh, the aliens in this question are the parents of the assailant, and the assailant is the octopus. And the woman stands for, get this, a lady <laughs> that wow. he murdered. An octopus, you see, simply just because they have eight arms. There are eight factions to the human personality. As you can see, eight umbrellas for each man in my book by Dr. Addison Mifflin. <laughs> if you see it right here, each person has a personality and umbrella. And it seems Bradfield's personality was a murky brown. Oh, <laughs> seems like it. So they blamed it on a comic strip. Yeah, they leaned real hard on this octopus cartoon when they were trying to discern a motive. Like, even after Bradfield already confessed the crime and said, like, yeah, I killed her. Uh, even after that, the cops still brought the heavy metal magazine into the interrogation room. He's like, see that? What do you think about that right there? Do you read that? And he just goes, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, what are you supposed to say? <laughs> yeah. I'm the octopus. <laughs> you get it? But Bradfield's mother, Fliver, decided she didn't want to think about it at all. Fliver refused to even speak of the murder directly and would only refer to the murder as, quote, the mess in California. Ah. Mm, it really was a mess. Yeah. It was a mess, yeah. But according to Bradfield's ex-wife, it is possible that this was not his only murder. It doesn't sound like it. It sounds no. like someone who was deep into escalation territory. Yeah. She said that Bradfield confessed to her that he had murdered and dismembered Three women before Trish Mack. Jesus. Two in Massachusetts and one in New York State. And seeing how much experimentation Bradfield practiced in the post-mortem hours, this is not ridiculous to think about. No, he seemed to, he jumped right into that, to the Trish Mack murder. Yeah, this is not ridiculous at all. I didn't laugh once. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, he said that uh, the reason why uh, he was able to dismember the body so well, he said it was because his father had taught him how to uh, clean a deer when he was a kid. His father used to take him hunting all the time, so he learned how to dismember a carcass. Um, but it's... This is also what Cadden Clark will say later on. They all shift the blame to this idea of it was because they went hunting with father. Yeah. Huh. Uh, but the fact that he was able to quite deftly turn this body into 11 disposable pieces. Right. And also the experimentation of like, you know, the, the immediate the immediate biting off of the nipple, eating a breast, 
lighting the pubic hair on fire. Jesus. All of this stuff points towards intense ex- escalation. Yeah. It might not be. I mean, sometimes... Well, he's definitely not de-escalating. <laughs> I mean, if, if he murdered the other woman by, like, putting them on a roller coaster that had, like, different knives that would come out, like... Or if he married her and waited for 35 years and just slowly killed her with a sense of ennui, like, just making the house sad. Like, that's a different type of murder. And this is the brother. This is the brother. Jeez. Of the serial killer we are covering today. Mm-hmm. This is a full, it's a full family. It's a family affair today. Mm-hmm. But pretty soon after Bradfield Clark committed his last murder, Haddon Clark was about to commit the first murder that actually can be proved. And that's where we'll pick back up next week for the conclusion to this series. Woo, Haddon Clark. My goodness. I can't believe this man is more well-known. Haddon Clark is an interesting character because you know what it is? It, it, you just got to, there's so many serial killers. <laughs> there's just so many of them. And then Haddon Clark is dead. As soon as you peel off the top layer, you're like, this guy's a fucking monster from a horror film. And yeah. then you yeah. look at his whole family. They're all the same exact way. Uh, this is a lot of blood. And I'll tell you what, next week, it does not get less bloody. No. Than this. Next week, we're going to see all of Haddon Clark's crimes. We're going to see what happens when you go totally fucking off the reservation, which Haddon Clark kind of allows himself to do. Mm -hmm. He goes full Mr. Zazz. Yeah. He goes full Mr. Zazz. To clarify it for you, Ben, Mr. Zazz was Batman's serial killer villain. He's got all the marks. He's got marks for every victim that he's killed uh, on his body. And he's escaping from Arkham. So much. So much. Dude, they got to get different, like, locks on the door. Something. They got to figure that out. But on the other hand, Mr. Zaz is also the guy, like, when Batman walks into Arkham, Mr. Zaz is always the one that, like, leans up from his cell and goes, like, hey, Batman, I'm Mr. Zaz. You remember me? Ha! And then Batman makes a quip, and then he keeps walking. Yeah. But oh. sometimes he beats him up before he walks. Yeah, you really? slap him in the face. Yeah. And he'll be like, <laughs> it's just nice that you still pay attention to me, Batman. Honestly, it's just, like, a big deal that I'm even, like, still in the room with you. Love your work. Love what you do. I love that. Um, all right, everyone. Well, thank you all so much for listening. And we are excited to see you on the road here in the upcoming future. And, of course, November 8th, uh, Henry and I will be in Washington, D.C. for a little side stories conversation. We're going to blab, and we are going to have a lot of fun. So A, a we'll- very well-planned show, highly orchestrated. A <laughs> lot of tech is involved. A lot of tech. We're, gonna, we're rolling in. It's going to be like the big top. It's like, oh, it's going to be like Cirque du Soleil. Neil Patrick Harris is now doing a little uh, big top show here in New York, so maybe we'll get him. We can go. I'll call him. I'll call Neil. Yeah, we can call him. Did you guys do a lot of prep? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, Yeah, buddy. Like so much. Are you guys discovering how much work I really do? (laughs) We kind of already knew. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yes, and thanks to everyone who came out uh, and saw the Hail Yourself screening in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, That was very sweet of everyone, so thank you. Yeah, and we've got a a bunch of shows throughout the rest of the year. Uh, We're going to be doing Portland, Maine on the 21st, Northampton, Massachusetts on the 22nd, Buffalo, New York on the 23rd. uh, then and those are all in November, of course. And, and I then, believe they're going to release more. They will release. They have some held. They have some held. Great. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. Usually they might do that a couple days before. Maybe. So you know, go, uh, be sure to to check shit out there. Uh, then in uh, December, we're going to be doing Toronto, Detroit, and Columbus, Ohio on December fifth, sixth, and seventh. And then the thirteenth, Friday, the thirteenth, December thirteenth. 
That's Norlin. Norlin. Cannot wait. Two that shows is, that night. That is going to be so much fun. Also, remember that wait. no VIP for that, but we're taping our live show, so you'll be a part of our bullshit mm-hmm. permanently. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I'm certain if you wear some kind of fun costume or something, you can even end up in the special. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Dresses John Panette. Love John Panette. Oh, I miss him. I do miss him. He was funny. Um, All right, everyone. Thank you all so much for listening. Hail yourself. Hail Satan. Magoon. Magoostillations. Hail me. And I'm telling you, boys, you man, wear those panties. Just don't kill... Just don't, the killing is the problem. That's the real problem. And the panties are just cozy. Try to purchase the panties or get inherited the fa- the panties from oh, your grandmother. Oh, you don't want inherited panties. And, and a bunch of vintage panties from your like Aunt Nancy or something? Mm, That'd be kind of fun. Estate sale panties. Mm. Oh, I don't know. And that way they're good and dusty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, Go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Fluffy bread, fresh tortillas, classic burger buns, and so many carbs. Carb fear is real, but Hero Bread makes healthier versions of the carb-heavy favorites we love the most. We're talking fewer calories, 0 to 2 grams net carbs, 0 grams of sugar, and seriously great taste. Plus more of the dietary fiber and protein you want. No compromise. Don't skip out on your favorites. Just use Hero Bread. Get 10% off your order at Hero.co with code Hero10 at checkout. That's Hero10 at H-E-R-O dot C-O.